Mom Advice Book Gang. I am so excited for this special edition of our podcast today. Today is the big day. It's December 1st, and it is our formal announcement of the 2022 Mom Advice Book Club selections, which have been lovingly selected for you for your year of reading. This year, I wanted to make this experience a tiny bit more interactive than me just sitting around talking to myself about my books that I picked and why they're so great. And so today we have a guest hostess joining the show. It is Mary Carver from The Couch with Mary Carver. And if you are not a subscriber of her podcast and you love Hallmark movies in particular, because this is your season, this is like the Super Bowl of Hallmark movies, you are going to want to get on her podcast right away. Mary has also a contributor to our site and has been on the site writing for us on parenting and marriage for many years. She is joining us to talk us through the 2022 Mom Advice Book Club season. So Mary, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I feel like I should have like a confetti cannon or something. It's so (laughs) exciting to be here for the big day to announce the next book club selections with you. It's so fun to be here. Thank you. Thank you for hosting. I just wanted this to be an interactive experience for our listeners because this is a lot like understanding what the book club's about. I know that we have a lot of podcast listeners that maybe have not moved over into the book club space, but we do have a free book club for you to join. It's very easy to access. I just want to say that first of all, it's on Facebook. If you look up Mom Advice Book Club and ask to join the group. I will add you into our fold. And today's episode is all about getting you acquainted with the book club since we will be starting a brand new year of reading in January and also telling you a little bit about each of these books and why I'm having you read them with me. Yes. Oh man. I've got like some inside scoop because I've seen the list already and it is such a good one. (laughs) I'm so excited. Okay, so before we jump into the actual books, Amy, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about the book club, just in case people have not participated in the past, or maybe they did it a few years ago, and now they're wanting to jump back in in 2022. What is the Mom Advice Book Club? Yeah, so this book club actually got started in 2014. I had to go back into the archives of the blog and look about when this even got started and why I had done it. And it's always been pretty much the same idea. It is that I introduce you to a lot of under the radar book selections, things that I don't think are getting enough attention. I started it in 2014 because I started to realize that there were books that I felt like they needed to be talked about a lot more. Mm -hmm. And in 2014, I believe our very first book was A Paris Architect, It was one of the first books about World War II, probably, that I had read, and I found his perspective, Charles Balfour, very intriguing, and I wanted to share it with our readers. And it started as a selection that I would select each month, and then I would do a typed blog type of interview with them about their books and share it with our readers. Now, over time, it's evolved into a lot of different things. Some of them were not good ideas. Some of them (laughs) were good ideas. So I'll just be honest about that. At one point, we had 
other readers be guest hostess for each month. And that allowed them to make the selections for our group. And that was really fun because it took the pressure off of me and Mm -hmm. I got to just read along with everyone, but they weren't necessarily screened for our Mm. readers. And so sometimes they were really, really good. And then sometimes the books weren't necessarily ones that I would always have picked, but it was a great learning experience that people like to be contributors within the book club. And so over the years, it's evolved into a Facebook group where we have events. It's typically on the last Friday of a month where we sit down and talk about these books together. I decided probably, I guess it would be last year because of the pandemic, I was having a hard time picking the books alone and realized at one point we did have community input on that Mm -hmm. and it was successful in a lot of ways. And so what if the top books that our readers enjoy also became part of the fold? And so that started last year. And this year we are continuing that trend with a couple of readers choice selections that were voted upon in a poll within that Facebook group. So 10 of them are my selections and two of them are your selections. Oh, I love that. I love that. Okay. So when you say we meet typically on the last Friday of the month, what does that look like in a Facebook group? Is it a video? Is it post? What does that explain that to me, please? Yeah. So it's very interesting because I feel like with the pandemic, a lot of people got very familiar with Zoom. (laughs) Zoom wasn't necessarily a platform any of us were using. I, even as a blogger, was not using Zoom Mm -hmm. very often, only for once in a while for meetings. But it became the platform for everyone. And I wondered how that looked to our readers. Should we change to a Zoom format? Because in the past, we do a typed chat. So basically, Mm -hmm. it's an event. You receive an event invitation as a member in the group. And I always share out that invitation within the group. So if you have, for some reason, your notifications turned off or you don't Mm -hmm. like to receive any event notifications, you'll still receive an invitation within the group. Once you accept an RSVP, it will send you those reminders that you need to join into the chat. I have done it in a typed format. Originally, the idea was that if you are intimidated by video, you don't have to be on video to be Mm -hmm. part of this book club. I do think that some people, in particular readers, tend to be more introverted people and maybe at times more shy about things like that. And so I was trying to be more sensitive to that. Mm -hmm. But I thought, you know, so many of us have adapted Zoom and are getting used to video chats. Maybe I should make this a video chat. But when I polled our readers again this year to see, like, what would you like? I think people are tired of Zoom. And so that is something that came up. It's also something that I think people need to be aware of is that we have people coming in from different countries. Like we have Hong Kong, Australia, um, Japan. We've got lots of different areas where people are coming in to these chat and they're coming in from other parts of the world. And I have to be sensitive to people's time zones and when they're able to access it. We also have working parents and we also have moms with young kids. So what time zone and what what time (laughs) can we do this where everyone can feel like they can be a participant? And so we settled on 8 p.m. Eastern time, which is basically the time after a lot of people's kids go to bed. And also it's morning time in some other countries where they're just (laughs) beginning to wake up and, and be part of it. So I think that this was kind of the happy medium of that. 
I will say that I think a Zoom chat one time a year would be super fun. And I'd like to offer that with a bonus book that is not within these 12 books, Mm -hmm. but was also a reader selection. And we will announce that at some point where people can participate in the Zoom for those that did vote that they wanted to have that kind of experience. But as a whole, as a group, we've decided that we will continue to do type chats. This allows people, if they can't join in at that specific time, they can come in and read people's comments Mm -hmm. and feel like they're part of it, reply to those comments, be interactive with that content, which is something that can't happen really in a recorded meeting. If it's recorded, it's done. You might get to watch it later, but you can't really interact with that content. For the record, all the events remain open at all times. So for example, if someone wanted to take on a challenge of reading 2020 selections or 2019 selections, you can go back in those events and see what people were talking about. And in some cases, those authors did participate in those type chats. Oh, that's so fun. And yes, I love that you give people the option to jump into the conversation later. I'm part of a Facebook group that is a bunch of devoted fans to Hallmark movies. (laughs) (laughs) And they watch, a lot of them watch it live, watch each movie live, and they have a chat going on during the movie, whereas I record them all and watch them later. But I can I can still pull up that conversation and read what people said and chime in. And so it's nice to have that option. I like that. Yes. It's okay. nice to have people jump in later, too, and just read what they were thinking about as yeah. they come in later and get to interact with people at other times. So I'm, I'm on there from 8 to 9.30 p.m. live during that time. So if you join in at that time, that's when you get to really interact with me. I I tend to not be able to hop on all the time when people join in later and uh, and be an observer, like interact with your comments as much as I'm able to during that live chat time. Perfect. I love all the, the different ways that people can engage. Okay. So we're keeping it the same this year with typed chat. Are there any ways that the book club will be different in 2022? We have a big difference this year. So we did add a Patreon component to the book club. So the chats are free Mm -hmm. and you can join the group for free. However, there is also a paid platform where it lives on Patreon. So for those that aren't familiar with it, because it really isn't something I even knew about until more recently when I started subscribing to some people that I really enjoyed their content. Basically, it's really hard to make money as a content creator anymore. And particularly, I will say that as I've been getting to know a lot of bookstagrammers and people that make a living off of, you know, sharing book reviews, it is hard to make money off of that. Selling Mm -hmm. books is not necessarily super profitable, but it is a joyful experience. It's something that I'm very, very passionate about. And Patreon gives content creators a way to subscribe to their content in a membership type of platform. So basically, our community will have a Mom Advice Book Gang podcast type Patreon experience that you can join into. It's $5 a month or you can prepay for a 10% discount for the year. So I think if you prepay, it's like $4.50 a month. But basically, that Patreon bonus community will have two special things that are related to the book club. One is that they will be able to buy their book club books 
from an independent bookstore called Fables Books, which is based out of Goshen, Indiana, which is my neighboring town. So it's my local bookstore. Mm -hmm. And they will be offering anyone who has a Patreon membership 15% off either the hardback or paperback selections from the book club. This does not include their whole store, but it includes (laughs) the ones that we have selected and they will have a landing page for our mom advice book club Patreon members to be able to buy those books. And you will get that coupon code for your month so that you can get these books on discount. And you could buy these books as gifts for other people for the holidays or, you know, just buy them for yourself or ask for them for Christmas. And then the other option is that we are offering within this community is that we will have a interview series with our authors. So these have been pre-recorded. I actually have filmed four of them already for next year, and they are typically 40 minutes to 60 minutes long discussing the books and what inspired these stories and how they were created. So we are sitting down with these authors, and I purchased some special software so that we can have as high definition of an experience as we can. So it really does feel like you are in the room with your authors, and we are asking them all of these questions about their process, about why they wrote these stories. And I feel like a lot of things that I might not have been as brave to ask about if I was just writing for myself, I've been pushing a little bit with our authors to get a lot of more interesting content for our readers that they would not get to experience otherwise, having really challenging and thoughtful and thought-provoking conversations that I hope will add into that experience. Those are just two of the things that are on Patreon. We have a ton of stuff on Patreon. You can get you know, monthly playlists for listening, for Spotify. We have early access to book reviews and exclusive podcasts, episodes that are just for Patreon. But I think as far as the book club goes, those are the two really big things that will be happening over there. And those are only available to our Patreon subscribers. So first of all, I'm going to clarify, make sure I understand. So the book club is still free because people can join the Facebook group for free, attend the monthly chats for free, and they get to chat with you. They get to chat with the other readers, totally the same as it's been. Yes. But for $5 a month, they get an awesome interview with the author. They get access or like a pathway to supporting a local independent bookstore with a coupon code, plus all your other Patreon perks that you offer people. Yeah, we tend to update that community. I was looking average of 10 to 12 times a month. So um, you are getting weekly, <laughs> um, at so least much. weekly. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I, listeners, you just have to, if you have not participated in a Patreon community before, and Amy did not know I was going to say this, but I am telling you the truth. What she's offering for $5 a month is a better and bigger package of stuff than any other Patreon I have seen or supported myself. I mean, it's a great offering and it's the price of a Starbucks coffee and you're getting all this fun stuff. She does playlists for you. She does bonus podcast episodes. It's really good. And I love, I love the partnership that you are developing with Fables Bookshop that you are not just saying, hey, let's support local bookstores, but you're like holding our hands and walking with us to the bookstores, showing us exactly how we can do it uh, with a coupon. 
<laughs> yeah, and I really do hope, like, the goal is that you get your money back by purchasing your books through Fables. Yeah. And this is the first time that either of us have tried anything like this. I only met one of the store owners, Kristen, who's been on the podcast a few times, and we can link to some of her past episodes. But she, in particular, one that I would recommend listening to is the book shortage and how they mm -hmm. were navigating that as a bookseller. I felt like this was the opportunity right now with people not wanting to purchase as much on Amazon, which I completely understand. Mm -hmm. How do I transition my community into the spaces where they feel happiest too. When we polled our readers, again, these are all through your feedback. I don't just, you know, decide to do these kinds of things because executing a partnership like this was a series of conversations. It was a lot of sitting down and trying to figure out where these books will live and what will happen with these books. And also keeping in mind that, you know, with the book shortage, we also have the added challenge of timing, you know, timing those right. books into those spaces where they're actually going to be accessible to mm -hmm. our readers. So there's been a lot of thought and, and conversation that went behind just that one element. Just to add on to that experience was learning how to do video and how to have these conversations in a way that made sense for our readers and looks professional as best as I can. I cannot control what's on the other end of the camera. Like I can make my experience as good as possible but I am trying to create a different kind of experience for these listeners and readers that I hope will be memorable that you walk away at the end of that conversation and think, wow, I would have never known where that came from or how yeah. they even went through something like that or the history behind a lot of our historical fiction books is astounding. And I'm so excited about sharing this. I love that. I love that. And listen, I... I spend a lot of money on Amazon, but I also, you know, would love to support someone who's not taking a strangely shaped rocket into outer space because <laughs> they have so much money. So I love this. And I love, again, that you've got options at so many different levels. So if someone wants to stick with the free version, they totally can. It's on Facebook, easy peasy. But if they want this extra, more in-depth, interactive experience, it's only a few dollars. Here's a question. Mm-hmm. How do people get to Patreon? Like if people yeah, want to join the Patreon, question. how do they get there? Because it is yeah. a separate app, but it's also a website. So you don't have to have the app. Yeah. So basically we have patreon.com backslash mom advice, M-O-M-A-D-V-I-C-E okay. to access our particular channel. I would say once you subscribe to our channel through that page, then I would download the app. So Patreon has an app that you can add to your phone and it basically sends you a notification as soon as those interviews go live or any interaction is happening within that page where I've added something for you. So that's the quickest way to get it. They will send you email updates, but a lot yeah. of us get bogged down with email. I found the <laughs> app to be extremely easy to use. It's really fast to access content. So that's how I would recommend that people get the app because you'll be able to, you know, go right from there into those videos, into whatever you need to look at those podcast episodes. A lot of them are uploaded right into Patreon and then you can listen through Patreon. So it's really, okay. really easy. Okay. And assuming you're doing this on your phone, you can just switch, you know, you can be in the Facebook app for the, the Facebook group and yes. that conversation. And then once you've gotten all that content consumed, 
And and Gondra, you can go over to Patreon. It's very simple. Last thing before we get into the books. Amy, can you tell us about the book club shirt and why this is such a big deal for your book club members? For those of you that participated in the Book It pizza program for Pizza Hut. <laughs> yes, me. <laughs> going to throw it back a little bit. But I understand that that program is still live, which is very mm-hmm. interesting. So I thought that this was maybe exclusive to our age group, but it is not. It is something that is still happening. But I just remember the joy I felt when I got those stars and then got mm-hmm. to get my pizza. So basically, the Book Club shirt is your book it pizza pin for the year. (laughs) (laughs) So every year we design a book club shirt. I take pictures of every single spine, all 12 spines of our books, and I send them to an illustrator who illustrates our stack in the order of appearance. So the very top book will be January and it goes all the way down through December of the year. And they're illustrated on one stack that you can wear on a shirt We will have other options as well. If you don't want a shirt or you have too many shirts, we also have totes and mugs and things like that. But basically, this is your proud award for (laughs) reading along with us throughout the year. And what's been fun is that people are super proud to wear it to like author signings and to Mm. their local library or to their bookshop because people ask about the books. And because we do try to choose some interesting and unique selections that maybe aren't as mainstream, it leads to really great conversations about the books you've been reading. I think we sold 135 of these shirts last year. That's how many people wanted to wear them. And we also tend to sell more at the end of the year because people have read throughout the year and then they really Mm -hmm. want to buy the shirt at the end. But basically, it's a badge for all your reading with us. You can collect them all and get to be part of this experience (laughs) and have your basic book pen that showcases how much you read throughout the year. And it gives people a chance to talk about those books with others. I love that. That is so fun. Okay, well, I think we've got a good understanding of what the book club is about. I think it's time. I think it's time to talk about what the books are. All right, well, what's up first in January? So in January, I selected a book called The Nine Lives of Rose Napolitano. It's written by Donna Freitas. It's women's fiction. She has been around for a while. So she's written over 20 books. However, Mm. this is her women's fiction debut novel. So she's not written in this genre before. So this Mm. is her first dip into that. This book is really thought-provoking and one that I think is going to lend itself really well to our discussion. The reason why I selected it is that this book is exploring the idea of one woman who does not want to have children. Mm. And when her and her husband go into their marriage, they have an agreement that they don't want children. But what happens when your partner changes their mind? And so basically how Donna has set this story up is that it is a repeating stupid argument, basically, between a couple (laughs) where he's asking about her prenatal vitamins. You know, she decides that she doesn't want to have kids, so she's not taking these vitamins, and it leads into this argument. But what happens within the story is that it takes nine different paths. So the same argument is happening But maybe in one, 
she agrees to have the child and what happens in their marriage. In another, she might say, I don't want to have a child and what happens within that marriage. There's a lot of different paths that this goes on in a journey of motherhood and not being a mother. What are the consequences of these decisions within this relationship and what relationships happen that would not have happened if she chooses to not explore this pathway with her partner. What I loved about it is that I do feel like the majority of our book club selections in the past have been about women who want to have children. Either they are mothers or they are wanting to be mothers. So they may Mm -hmm. be in pursuit of that. And this is the first book that I read where she just doesn't want that and she never has wanted it. And her decision didn't change. But the consequences of that within a relationship are very real. Donna is actually the first one that I've sat down with as far as doing our author interview series. It is very interesting and thought-provoking to hear why she wanted to write this story and also her own personal experience with this. I think that it shouldn't be as feminist forward as I feel like this selection is. It should be a conversation that we all are comfortable having that are is not new that is isn't fresh but it really mm-hmm. is still a fresh idea i think within women's fiction i'm excited about this because i feel like it's really great to see how donna explores all of these different pathways ultimately she does a really phenomenal job in moments of motherhood too that will really move you this book was really written and dedicated to her own mother. Her mother has passed away. And so it's really a beautiful story. And the way that she writes this motherhood journey is really inspired by a beautiful journey that she had with her own mom. Okay. I'm so excited to see this one on the list because you had recommended this book to me when you were on my podcast. So it's already been on my list. I'm excited to see that it's the book for January. Yes. I love anything. Time travel, alternate lives. I'm with you. Um, anything like that. And I love this idea that Donna didn't have to make a decision. She got to make a lot of different decisions for this character and Mm -hmm. we get to follow along on each of those decisions. I love that. Okay. Looking forward to that one. All right. What's up for February? So for February, we have In the Wild Light and it's written by Jeff Zentner. For the record, I have talked a lot about Jeff in guest podcasts with other people and also on my own podcast. I am basically a huge fangirl of Jeff. Jeff knows this because I have been faithfully pursuing him and his writing for many years. His original book, The Serpent King, truly is my favorite YA read of all time. So I had a lot of expectations for his latest novel. And when I read it, it was just the kind of story that deserves to be shared. I think Mm. that Jeff is such a gifted storyteller. He sets most of his stories in Tennessee. So it's Southern fiction. It's YA. So it is a read that you could even share with your child if you wanted to. I would say maybe an older teen. It's all about these two children who both have come out of parents that have battled opioid addiction. One of these children, Cash, is being raised by his grandparents. And Delaney, his best friend, is like this science super kid who has just made these 
surprising discoveries that make her very notable as a teen. Delaney receives a scholarship to go to a very exclusive elite academic institution. When she negotiates the terms for her free scholarship, she asks that Cash be able to go too. And because they want her so badly, they let her bring her best friend. And so it is about these two kids who are not wealthy. And in fact, in one scene in the very beginning, what's notable is when they go on their journey, they're buying like the good Greyhound tickets, right? And so they've always grown up without. They go into this environment where that's just completely unheard of. And nobody's been around kids like this before. And they bring these experiences into their daily life and try to make this a new home. It's really beautiful. In particular, if you are looking for an audiobook, I would say that this one is very beautifully narrated. It's narrated by Michael Crouch, who narrates a lot of YA books. His voice is beautiful. The accent is just perfection. I just found myself at the very end of the book sobbing on the floor because it's just so beautiful. It's like just the best kind of coming of age story about Mm. leaving home and then finding home and knowing that you can take your home wherever. I can't say enough good things about it. I hope that it becomes required reading in schools because I think it's got a really great theme within it. And I will also say that something that makes Jeff special is that he really doesn't like the toxic masculine culture that is showcased and so prevalent these days. And Mm -hmm. he's always been anti that. And so he writes these characters with tender hearts and just deep, beautiful souls within his male characters that I think is really important too for our young people. And so I can't say enough good things. I keep passing it on to people and keep people keep messaging me that they <laughs> have given it five stars, that they love it, that it was not something they would have necessarily picked up. I will champion Jeff's work forever. Again, it's In the Wildlight by Jeff Zentner. And I will say too that even though I you know, deeply, deeply love it, as an aside at the end of our author interview series, he just expressed so much thankfulness that we were loving on his book and how important it is for him, for his success, that he's still a relatively lesser known author. He's getting out there. But I think it's really important to embrace books like this because for him, this moment is a really big one for him to have our his book in other people's hands. And so we are doing something really great by supporting a newer, lesser known author, but also someone who is a fantastic and notable storyteller. Oh, I love that. And you know, I love reading young adult fiction. So this is right up my alley. I actually had to check. I have not read The Serpent King yet, but I have it on my Kindle because at some point when you said, this is my favorite, I was like, click, click, click. I will buy it. (laughs) Yes. You need to read it. It is beautiful and you will love it. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm excited about February too. Let's just keep trucking on. What is coming up in March? It's The People We Keep by Alison Larkin. It is a historical fiction novel, and I hate to say it, but it's set in the 1990s. So that is... Amy, that is so rude. (laughs) I am personally offended that we are calling the 1990s historical fiction. 
<laughs> I know. And it's so hard to say that, but it is true. It is set in the 90s. And there is something special about the 90s books because there's lack of cell phone access. Mm-hmm. It is harder to create storylines, I think, in a world where everything is known and and everyone can access everything right away. And in this story, what makes it such a special one is that that could not happen. And that is what moves the story forward. So in this story, it's a coming of age story about a girl who grows up in a motorhome with her father. They end up becoming estranged and she leaves because he's he's not a good person. Mm -hmm. And she runs away from home. She moves to a small town and starts a life there. She's trying to do music and she waits tables. She moves around a lot in the story. And what we get to do is go along with April as she tries to find her family. She has created this beautiful world where April really desires love, Mm -hmm. but she doesn't know how to receive it. So many people want to love her and they want her to succeed and they want her to feel their love, but she can't accept it because she doesn't know how to. We get to go on that journey as April is trying to dodge the love almost because she doesn't know what to do with it. Larkin's created just these amazing, amazing characters. What I will say about this story is that she's been working on it for a really long time. She's thought about this story, the author, for many years. She was very adamant that it not be changed. And she Mm -hmm. was willing to wait for this story to be published until it could be published in the way that she knew was true to this character and true to her story. And she held out for that. That is the book that we get to receive, which is really awesome because anyone who's ever tried to publish, a lot of times you have to make compromises in your stories in order to get those stories published. And she compromised nothing. This is the story she wanted to tell. And she waited until it got into the right hands. That's the story that we get to share as a book club. I did get to sit down with her as well and talk to her about this story. And she's amazing. And the way that she talks about April and this chosen family is like they are real people. I think that that really pulls through in her storytelling. And it makes it for a beautiful experience. Although there are hard moments, it is worth it to go to the end with April. Okay. That's so interesting. It really says a lot about the integrity of Allison as an author and also the integrity of the book that that we're going to read. Yes, I am so excited to share this interview. I'm excited for us all to get to go on this journey with this character because it is beautiful and memorable. She also weaves in a lot of music too, so I'll have to be creating playlists around this for you guys so that you can experience that along with this character. Oh, that's going to be so fun. I love that. Okay. What's the book for April? April is The Reading List by Sarah Nisha Adams. And this book is contemporary fiction. I would say that this book is designed for readers. So a lot of our readers, in fact, I believe it was our number one favorite for the year for 2021 was The Midnight Library, which I feel like is a book designed for readers. This is this year's book designed for readers. (laughs) So this is a multi-generational story, and it's all about readers bonding over well-known classics and modern-day classic literature in a library setting. There is a list. It is the reading list. It's a recommended list that starts getting 
passed around at the library. The librarian that's in charge of making the book selections actually isn't a reader. And she has a patron that comes in who's older. His wife has passed away and he is looking for book recommendations. And she stumbles upon this list of must read literature that everyone should read. She starts reading the books and then recommending them to the patron. And they are different generations, but these stories have a sweet spot for both of them. And so it's a very meta reading experience because you're reading about them, reading about books <laughs> that you love or yes. that you are familiar with. And and most of these books I've read, I think there was maybe one on the list that I had not read, but I knew exactly what the plot was about. So sure. it's an, they're all books that you likely have already read, but getting to experience someone else experiencing them within the book is what really makes this a magical experience. The book is beautiful. It's got books all over the cover that are spilling all over. And it's just this kind of universal book that you could give to anybody and they would love. It's uh, very clean literature. I would say if you're looking for a gift to give to a book lover, this would be a book that you could share easily if you're looking for a holiday gift. This is a great book. Sarah is going to be participating in the author interview series. So I'm excited to hear about how this story was inspired, but I found it to be one of those just cozy reading experiences that made me happy. I was a little teary at times. I loved seeing the relationship with other people with books that I love <laughs> and getting to experience that as, as a reader. And then of course, at the end, you get to find out where that list originated. And so it's very very sweet. It's just a universally well-liked story that I think anybody could appreciate. And I have a feeling it's going to be a lot of people's favorites for 2022. Okay. I love books about books or books about libraries or reading. And so this sounds like a really fun read. Okay. Moving along. What is our book going to be in May? I wanted to do a memoir and I really wanted to do more nonfiction than we ended up slating for the year. So I apologize because next year I will be much better about nonfiction selections. I had started several and just felt like they were very dry, but I feel like memoirs really lend themselves well to nonfiction. People who don't necessarily always embrace nonfiction may be able to embrace something through a memoir. I'm not really even sure how I stumbled upon this book. I want to say it was a Kindle Daily deal. I bought it because it sounded like something that I personally had been going through. So the book is called The Lady's Handbook for Her Mysterious Illness, and it's written by Sarah Ramey. Basically, this story is the memoir of a woman who is highly successful. So she was part of the 2008 Obama team where she was writing on their blog. She even assisted with some of the speeches that we've come to know that are oh, wow. very hope-filled. She was writing on this team and came down with a mysterious illness. This mysterious illness was related to pelvic pain and discomfort. She started going through this very difficult experience, and she was in her 20s. Her Both of her parents are in the medical field. So she is white. She has two parents that are in the medical field that have connections with people, you know, they have the funds to be able to look into and investigate what's been going on. And she still had the most harrowing and awful experience. She decided to write about her experience of being in this position where 
women just aren't believed when they are sick with chronic illnesses. She goes through some really awful stuff. What she discovered was, hey, I'm not the only woman that's going through these things. She ended up interviewing over 200 women about their experiences with chronic illnesses. A lot of them are things like fibromyalgia, for example, or chronic fatigue syndrome, for example. So these illnesses that sometimes where people can't really figure out what's wrong with them and then you get diagnosed with chronic fatigue or you get diagnosed with fibromyalgia and then they're like, well, there's really not much we can do for you. She started to realize, you know, as she was investigating, oh, like, oh, almost up until the 90s, women weren't even included in medical studies. This is her experience of having a mysterious illness and then also talking to other women about their mysterious illnesses and just the brokenness of our system. What I will say about it is that when I read it, as someone who has a chronic illness, I did have to step away a few times from it because I was like feeling very panicky. I was starting to have some like of my own things that I had went through. It felt like someone was telling my story. I will say that I did the interview with Sarah and I didn't feel very good the day we interviewed. I was like, if I push off and then she has to push off and then we just push off forever, we'll never do it. And so I was like, yeah. no, I'm just going to still do it. And so I'm like, how are you? You know, and she was like, you know, and I'm like, yeah, me too. But I was like, if we push it off, we'll never do it. You know, and she's like, I agree. But we did this interview and I just appreciate because I know how much energy that took for her to do that with her being so sick. What I didn't know later is that she actually was diagnosed with Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, which was the disease that I have. It's why maybe it hits so many nerves, but when I picked it, I did not know that. I actually did not know that until I interviewed her because she did not include that in her story um, mm -hmm. because she was worried it would take away a little bit from the narrative. Like, what mm -hmm. is that? You know, she kind of went back and forth on it, but I didn't know that when I picked it. I didn't pick it because it was me, but then it turned out it kind of was, you know, because yeah. we were both going through such similar experiences. So I really think that this is a great one, particularly for people to understand who maybe have never had a chronic illness or for people who have had chronic illnesses and felt misunderstood, I will say she is the manufacturer of hope, right? Mm -hmm. She's been doing this for Obama's campaign. And what does that feel like when you don't feel hopeful? It is a hard experience, but at the end, there's a lot of great information about what she discovered through this process that I think is valuable to other people too. Okay. That sounds really interesting and really hard. And I think the thing that you said that really struck a nerve with me is that she had every advantage. She's white. She's probably upper middle class. She has access to you know the medical field through her parents. And yet she was still treated so badly and the system failed her so miserably. I mean, I know I've had a couple situations in my life where I have felt like so frustrated because at the end, I think, okay, I am an educated person with all those same advantages. Well, my parents are not doctors, but you know, and like I have this long list of advantages and I still was treated badly or I struggled so much. And I can't imagine what it's like for other people who start so much further back and have to deal with the same mess. Yeah. It's and just... I do think that it's important to know that she does acknowledge that privileged place she comes from. Sure. Also, what would that memoir look like if you were a woman of color? Right. Or if you didn't have money to go to a million tests or go mm -hmm. be looked at at Mayo Clinic or 
or have kind the of, vacation time to, you know, if your work won't let you take off or you've used up all your you sick days or you can't have, you know, you don't have anybody to watch your kids, all those things. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's a really compelling memoir. And I think that she does some good investigative work too on the underrepresentation of women in lots of different categories. I think that when we talk about this, this was the best case scenario and it was still the worst case scenario. And I think that mm. that's what is important to hear is that it doesn't really matter because women just are dismissed and not believed. Me Too culture, I will say, I think that it's bringing to light a lot of conversations. And this is one of those conversations about women not being believed in medicine as well. Mm -hmm. And so I think that this is a really thought-provoking book and getting to talk with her. And we talked for over an hour and I think it was just a very warm space because I completely understood where she was coming from. I sympathize so greatly with her experience. And so I think it's really a compelling read and I'm excited to share it with our readers. You know, again, I just want to say, I did not know that that's what she in the end got diagnosed with, but it's kind of cool because I get to share a little bit kind of, of my Mm -hmm. own experience too, of some of the things that I've, I've dealt with. So yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm really glad you picked this book. That's a good, that's a good one. Okay. What's on deck for June? So June is The Tobacco Wives and it's written by Adele Myers. This is a historical fiction novel and it will be published in March of 2022. So okay. it will be listed as a pre-order availability, but it has not come out. I am excited because this is definitely not a book that has been probably on most people's radar because it hasn't come out yet. Right. And this book in particular is for my readers that are fans of The Gown, which was a big hit book Mm -hmm. about the seamstresses that designed Queen Elizabeth's wedding dress. And it has a very similar feel to that. But this one is set in 1946. And it is set in North Carolina. And it is about a seamstress who is tasked with the big party that they have annually in town for the tobacco wives, which are the wives of the Winstons, the like mm-hmm. the big okay. cigarette okay. companies, the tobacco companies that existed back then that were basically the royalty of North Carolina. And mm-hmm. so this seamstress, she does all the dresses for everyone. She's very detail-oriented. She's very good at it. She's done it for many, many years. And she falls ill. Basically, her niece has to step in to finish the dresses and also create some of the dresses and designs. But her niece is not familiar with really the tobacco industry or anything that's happening. And at that point, nothing's really been disclosed that it's not good for you. It's been promoted as like a great weight loss. They, you know, it's like something you do to be healthy. It's something that they do while they're pregnant. I mean, it's just kind of like you're seeing all of this unfolding and, you know, people have health problems, but they think it's allergy related or things Mm -hmm. like that. And so basically, This young girl comes in and she's really good at what she does, too. She's very gifted like her aunt. But she basically starts to discover some dark history, some hidden documents. Just the experience of the factory workers starts to become questionable. And she starts questioning, is this even a good industry? Are these even good people? 
And yeah. basically, Adele Myers, one of her family members, was a hairdresser to these women. And so okay. it's inspired by these discussions and conversations that were held within the that hairdressing salon. And basically, Adele reimagines it, but it's with a seamstress. And when I say it's like the gown, I think that the design and the dresses and the things Mm -hmm. that are coming into play into this are showcased because, you know, they're the fanciest dresses and she's making all of these layers. And there's some great side characters and it's got a satisfying conclusion. And I feel like for a debut, it's really, really strong got a beautiful cover and I'm excited to support a debut novelist who is branching out into the historical fiction arena and I think that this is going to be a real hit with a lot of our historical fiction lovers. Okay that almost sounds like cinematic like I can imagine it as a movie. Yes I could totally see this as a movie and I will not be surprised if she sells the movie rights. I'm excited because Adele has agreed to be part of our author interview series too and I'm pretty sure I'm going to get to be one of the first people to get to talk to her about her book. And I'm excited to hear about the family member that inspired this journey and also like what research she did because she did an extensive amount of research in the tobacco industry and the making of those products and what she learned when she was uncovering all of that. Okay. Now I see July is our first reader's choice. Can you tell us about that book? Yeah. So for July, we're going to be reading The Firekeeper's Daughter by Angeline Bully. And this was one that the readers have selected, but it is one that I had already bought and planned to read, (laughs) but I am saving it to read with you because I think it's fun to read along for the reader's choice. The cover of it looks like fantasy, and Mm -hmm. that is what I thought it was, but it is not a fantasy novel for those that have not read it. This is a new adult novel. It is contemporary fiction. And it is about a Native American tribe in Michigan. So I have read that it is really nice to do this one on audiobook because you get to hear the tribe names and how they say Mm -hmm. things. And that might be harder to do in book format. That is not Mm -hmm. to say that you shouldn't have the book because it is stunning. But I wanted to say that for those that would like to do an audiobook for this year, that one might be another one that lends itself really well to audiobook. The author has described her novel as an indigenous Nancy Drew story. So I'm already sold on this just based on that. (laughs) And also it is being adapted for Netflix through Obama's production team. So it Hmm. got picked up for this. She also is someone who pursued writing later in life. So she's known and been part in a small way of this story that happened in her high school at 18, but then at 44 decided that she might like to write this book. So she did it later in life, and I think she's in her 50s now. So she is a first-time novelist that is trying this out later in life, which I just really, really love. For those of you that know Megan Francis, she does the Mom Hour, but she also has her own podcast. She did an interview with this author about the experience of writing after 40. And Mm. so I think it's going to be a really great book to read and also to know that this author 
started writing this later in life. It's a huge hit. It's something that everyone probably is really familiar with. And what I'm learning about book club is that even if people have already read these more familiar books, they like to come back and talk about them because they always want to talk about their favorite books. And this is one that a lot of people have given five stars and have loved. I'm excited because she is from Michigan. She's actually kind of local, and I have Megan trying to set up coffee with her, so I'm hoping we might have a little inside scoop with the Firekeeper's Daughter author as well, and so I'm excited about this one. I was sold on the idea of an Indigenous Nancy Drew story just on that alone, but Mm -hmm. I just want people to know that sometimes covers can be a tiny bit misleading, and this one definitely looks like a fantasy read to me, and it's not that, but it is a mystery story that I think everyone's really going to love. Okay. I'm excited about this. And you are so right because, so I just pulled up my Goodreads as we are talking here. And I've, even before today, I had already marked it, want to read. I've read the description. And yet when I see this book, cause it's everywhere, it's on everyone's list. I've seen it many places though. I always do think that it's fantasy, which I like fantasy, but this is not that. Yeah, I was surprised to hear that, actually. And I've, I've read a lot of reviews of the book. And I think that sometimes, you know, when you get in your head an idea about what a book is, that maybe you don't go into it with the same experience. So I want people to go in knowing it's new adults. It's not young adults. So that is like mm-hmm. young adults later in life, which is also newer discussion genre category for me. It's mm-hmm. something that I've been learning more about as I listen to book podcasts and also follow books to grammars that new adult is its own uh, category. And basically they're dealing with more adult type of Mm -hmm. decisions than you would with a young adult pick. So it's not young adult, it's new adult. It is about Native American tribe in Michigan. It is a Nancy Drew type of story, not fantasy, but it is promising and it looks amazing. And I'm excited because I get to read it with you guys. Yes. I'm excited for that one too. Okay. All right. Let's see. What do we have on our list for August? So August is The Five Wounds by Kristen Valdez Quede. Now, this book had a lot of buzz. It had received a lot of awards, but I actually have not seen a ton of people in my circle reading it. I picked it because it sounded like a story that I would really enjoy. We ended up reading it for our mom advice, reading retreat, online Zoom gathering because we couldn't get together this fall. It was our reunion gathering (laughs) that I had hosted and they let me pick a book and I picked The Five Wounds because it was such phenomenal storytelling. So I like to do different types of stories and this one in particular is not necessarily fast plot-driven stories. This is for my readers that love strong character development Mm -hmm. because this is that kind of story. It's about a New Mexican family. This is a multi-generational story. So it is about a teenage girl who ends up getting pregnant in high school. They don't have a lot of money and she participates in a high school program to teach her about how to be a mom and how to care for a baby. She lives with her father and her grandmother. Basically, her dad is just this guy that's always down on his luck. He fights Mm. addiction, and it's about 
each of them having their own struggles. And his mother also is diagnosed with cancer, and she has been keeping the secret from the family. So they're each carrying their own secrets, like, you know, the daughter's dealing with this secret pregnancy, the dad is dealing with his addiction, and she is dealing with this diagnosis. And they all somehow bond together and love one another through this experience. And it goes through the first year of the baby's life. What I will say about this one that I want people to know is that it does open with a rather jarring experience as it's basically a a Passover type of celebration where they do a reenactment of Christ's crucifixion. And the father in the story offers to be... Christ and they actually do the nails and he ends up in the ER in the beginning and he feels like he wants everyone to admire him that he has taken this like giant leap of faith and like he's like so much closer to Christ than anyone else it opens in this very jarring way and I think in some ways people might be turned off and be like oh I don't know if I want to read this kind of book But that is just part of like the opener of kind of like how broken this guy is. Like he so wants attention and praise from his mom and people in his life that doing this is like the ultimate sacrifice that he could do. And so it kind of opens in this jarring way, but that's not the story in in of itself. However, this was based on a short story. I think that that might have been an element within that short story. And then it expands into this really beautiful story. And there were points within it that I found myself holding my breath. I was very concerned. I mean, anytime that you're dealing with uh, a character with addiction, there is a sense of discomfort and Mm -hmm. what's going to happen next. And I think that the author does a really phenomenal job with it. I found it to be just a magnificent piece of literature I would recommend it if people are fans of Liz Moore's Heft, which is one of my favorite like stories, like a storyteller type of story. That's the way that this story sat with me and that I will remember these characters for a very long time. I was crying at different points. I was just so invested in this little girl and her pregnancy. And they are not perfect people. They are Mm -hmm. broken people. And I think this is going to sit well with people who really love strong character development and don't need a fast plot moving Mm -hmm. story. They're looking for people that they'll remember after they shut the page. Okay. Well, I'll confess there's not much about that. That sounds like something I would pick up on my own, but that is the beauty of a book club. And there's always something just so sweet. Even if the story isn't sweet, there's something so sweet about the experience of reading something that sticks with you. Yeah. That just makes me love reading. This multi-generational type of storytelling, too. Just that these characters are so broken that you find yourself rooting for them to make better choices, Mm -hmm. to move the plot in different ways. I just found it to be really, really satisfying. And it was definitely one of my favorite books of 2021. And I wanted to share it and talk about it with other people. Okay. So that is our book for August. And now what's on the list for September? So September is a book that I thought a lot about. I believe that in 2019, it was listed as a best book on mom advice. And it's called The Book of Harlan. It's written by Bernice McFadden. She's a seasoned writer. She's been writing for a long time. It is a historical fiction novel that's set in World War II era. I debated for years about bringing this to the table. 
And I kept thinking, this story is so hard. I just mm-hmm. don't know if I should subject anyone to that. The thing about it is, is that I still think about it. The fact that I am still thinking about it is the reason why I'm bringing it to the table. If you are a highly sensitive reader, then you may need to skip this month. Mm. I will say that I think that it is worth the experience because it is a story that isn't told. Bernice McFadden took the story of her ancestors and brought it to this book called The Book of Harlan. She is using this story... Some with real characters and some are fabricated, but mostly built around the story of her family about how people of color were also in the concentration camps. It is about two musicians who are going to be jazz musicians or living their best life. It's it's the story. It goes from the very beginning of his life all the way into this point where he's out in the world and he's going to be a famous musician and he's, you know, trying to do this music in Paris. When they round up people, they round him up. And it is about his time in the concentration camp. And I just don't think that there are any stories, truly, that I have read about people of color in the concentration camps. It just kind of blew my mind and it made me feel sad that I didn't know that. I didn't want to not share this story because it moved me so much and because Bernice shares it in such a beautiful way. I I did it. I decided to add it to our list. And I know that it's a hard read, but it is a stunning read. And I know that we can read hard things. We've read a lot of World War II era books, but I don't think we've read these kinds of stories that are told within the pages of this book. Bernice is a seasoned writer, but when I looked up her interviews and tried to find information, there wasn't a lot to connect her with the story. And I stumbled upon a tweet that she had said, or it might have just been a Facebook post, about how she doesn't understand why this hasn't gotten more attention, the story. It's a story that people don't know about mm-hmm. and that it, it makes her angry. Like all these books are getting picked up for Netflix movies and things like that. And she's got this really powerful story of her people that nobody knows about. And so I thought about it for a really long time. And I told my husband, I think I'm going to reach out to Bernice and just say, hey, like, I don't know if I'll even do your book justice, but I really want to have a conversation with you about this book. And I believe that it is a story that does need to be shared. And I have thought about it for years and was scared Mm -hmm. to share it. She immediately replied with her literary agent and her editor were everyone's (laughs) on this email about how excited she was that we had chosen this book. I am excited about it. I will say Alison Larkin, who wrote The People We Keep, she saw our shirt. I sent her a mock-up of our shirt, and she was like, I can't believe my book is on a stack with Bernice McFadden. So within the author community, she's very respected. But Mm -hmm. I don't feel like this book has been talked about enough. And I think that if we're going to do hard World War II stories, we need to do the Book of Harlan. Okay. I feel a little stunned to use your word from earlier myself, because I have not heard of this book. I have not heard of this situation that this happened. I had no idea. Yeah. Um, and, and just, I'm not sure that you said this part, this piece of it, but these were American citizens. Mm-hmm. They were Americans 
who happened to be in Europe for their job as musicians, and they were put into the concentration camps. It's shocking to me that when I think of all the movies and the things that I've read, I never knew that people of color were a part of that experience. I've never seen that on a screen. I did not know that. I was actually really embarrassed about it for a little bit. Maybe that might be too a little bit of vulnerability because I told Bernice that I was kind of ashamed that I didn't know that. But I think that that is why I wanted to bring it to the table. It's important that we know that story. And we talk about a lot of hard things. And I think that You know, we are learning a lot as we uncover new things in history. And for me, that's one of the beauties of historical fiction is that I am introduced to things that I did not know. But I will say that this was perhaps one of the most compelling, life-altering World War II books that I've ever read. And it made me think about the Holocaust and concentration camps in a very, very different way than I had thought before. And she's using her own family's experience in this as part of a way to document the story. The fact that Bernice is willing to participate in this conversation with Mm -hmm. me is really just, I mean, I can't tell you how long I worked on an email to her because I didn't want to say the wrong thing. And I wanted her to know that I was showing up with like the most love to hear this story and that I think it's important to tell. Like I could start crying and I just, I feel really embarrassed, (laughs) but I didn't know it. So I'm thankful that I'm thankful for books because they teach us things and and times in the world that I didn't know about. This book for me, I mean, I've sat on it and thought about it for two years and I'm like, no, we can do hard things. This is important. We need to talk about it. I can't just say, hey, like this is my favorite book and just hope that someone's going to read it. I'm going to make this part of the book club. I get to assign the reading and this book moved me and there are hard parts in it and that is life. And we need to know that. Yeah. Well, I think it's remarkable that she has given us this gift. I am just so appreciative that you are challenging us to do hard things. I hear what you're saying and I feel what you're saying about being embarrassed because we didn't know part of our own history because we are one people. If it happened to you know my neighbor, it happened to, to me. The truth is most of us don't know most of our own history. And that's something we're discovering together. And I think that it is, I think that it is a really good thing that we, that you are asking us to walk toward that instead of hide in shame from it. So thank you for that. I appreciate it. And I know the book club members will too, even as we all tell you how hard it is. (laughs) I just, I think it's going to be a really good learning experience. I think of the Patreon membership, this experience alone is worth your $5 to hear Bernice tell her own story. That Bernice is willing to share it is also just really awesome because she doesn't have to give me her time. She's a seasoned author. And the reason why we pick a lot of debut novelists is because they're easier to access and they are oftentimes more motivated to be part of this discussion. But Bernice is willing to have this discussion with us even though she doesn't really need me. Um, to do it, but she really wants more people to know this story. And I think that once we start really promoting and sharing more about this book, I hope that it adds way more readers to it. And let's hope someday someone does want to pick it up for a movie because I think that it is the kind of story that we have not seen on screen and we have not read. I love that. 
I love that. And I just love the way that you are such a good steward of this space and this opportunity that you have to share uh, information and literature and experiences with us and doing good things for the authors at the same time. I love that. Okay. Well, that was heavy, but I think we've got some, some lighter in some ways books coming up. We've got three more books. So what is up for October? So October is A Cosmology of Monsters, and it's written by Sean Hamill. Now, it qualifies as horror, but I don't want this to turn people off. Because... I take it back. It's not lighter. No. No. <laughs> I promise. So I, I, it does qualify as horror because it's Halloween season. I did want to bring something kind of spooky to mm-hmm. the arena. This book was not something that was on my radar. I actually have not seen a single person who's read it. It was a book club selection for Fables Books, who is our Mm. independent bookstore. So Mm -hmm. when I came in to have that conversation with Kristen about being a part of our book club, I decided to pick up her book club book so I could be like in full support of what she was reading too. And -hmm. I didn't get to join for the discussion because I was so busy with getting this off the ground, I did end up reading this book. And I sent her an email about the book after I finished it. I was absolutely stunned. It was so good. It's going to probably, I'm just going to be honest, be a more polarizing read. I debated, should I still put it in there? Should I not put it in there? But we found that polarizing reads are great book club reads because yes. people will come if they love it and and if they don't love it, they still want to come and talk about why they right. didn't love it. And I, I'm not sure if everyone's going to love it as much as me. Shape of Water is what comes to mind. I don't know if you ever saw the film or... No. No. Okay. So, I, but I, I mean, I'm, I'm aware of it. Yes. So it was very artistic and it's, mm-hmm. you know, about you know, a monster and basically like that's kind of the whole idea behind it. This is what would be described as gentle horror. And the way that it's described is as if John Irving ever wrote a horror novel. Okay. So, (laughs) okay. Okay. So it is not horror in that sense, but it's horror of the abstract horror of the unseen horror of what could happen. So it's a very, beautiful story about a family that is very dysfunctional or troubled by mental illness. Everyone in the family sees this monster, okay? They see monsters. They've seen it. You're not really sure, is this a real monster? Are these mental illness monsters? Like, they're, are they hallucinating? Are these real monsters? What ends up happening is that the little boy within the family acknowledges the, the monster and invites the monster in. So that is the idea behind the story. And it's the growing up of him with this monster that he is invited into his life. And what is it like if you make friends with the monster? And it develops into some really interesting things. And I cannot say enough about how good the storytelling is with this story. And it's so unusual It's unlike anything I've ever read. It was something that I finished and I wanted to hand to my husband and be like, I need you to read this so we can talk about (laughs) it. He was like, this really doesn't even, I I, I love horror like movies. I would Uh say I'm big on horror books, which is kind of surprising, but I like more of the like visualization element of horror films, but this isn't horror in that way. It's like creepy monster 
and it's magical and it's sad and it's beautiful. It goes into these really strange places. It's kind of around Lovecraft too, which I know is very controversial, but I think after I finished it too, I wanted to read more about Lovecraft and like about the monsters that kind of inspired some of this book. I just went for it. Like I just absolutely loved it. I sat down with it. I think I only, it took me about 48 hours to finish, but it's just exquisite storytelling. Campbell's gifted writer. Even if you don't like horror, but you just love a really well-told story, it's that kind of story. And I loved it. Okay. It sounds very, and maybe it's just the way you're describing it, but it sounds like quite the metaphor for life. Like what happens if you acknowledge the monster and invite the monster in and live with the monster? Like that sounds like a, I don't know, because we all have monsters, right? Yeah. It's the horror of everyday life. Yeah. It's like horror of everyday life. Horror of the mental illness is is horrible to live with and how you never feel like clear or sure-footed about things. It explores some really deep past, but I feel like the monster and the relationship that develops between Noah and the monster is very unusual and just really exquisite storytelling. I, I can't, it's unlike anything I've ever read. I read over 100 books this year. I've never read anything like it in probably the last decade of reading. I just was just completely stunned that it hasn't gotten more attention because it is beautifully told, but it's very odd and unusual. And I loved it. So if you like odd and unusual, I think this is going to be for you. I don't think that you have to be in the horror loving genre to Mm -hmm. appreciate it because it's really just really good storytelling. It's not scary. It's just more abstract type of horror. And I absolutely loved it. And I'm so glad that my bookseller recommended it. It was not something that would have been on my radar. And it's really, really cool. Okay. Okay, so this will probably be new to most everybody. And sounds like even if you hate it, it might make for a good conversation. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how you could hate it, but I just want to say I know it's an unusual book. And so I I acknowledge that it it goes into some weird places. And I don't know if everyone will love it, but I know that I loved it. And I know that I want to talk about it with people if you love it or you don't. But I think that odd and unusual stories sometimes really are fun to talk about. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. I am intrigued by that one for sure. Okay. For November, we have another reader's choice. Yes. This one is The 100 Years of Lenny and Margot by Marianne Cronin. And this is a debut novelist. It's been described as funny, heartwarming, uplifting, and charming. What I've heard from our readers is that they really, really enjoy this one as an audiobook. So if you particularly Hmm. like accents and enjoy Mm -hmm. an accent with your narration, you can appreciate that in this book. This one is about a friendship between two people. It's a 17-year-old and an 83-year-old. And if you add up their two ages, that equals 100 years old. Okay. Okay. And they are living in a terminal ward of a hospital, but they've devised a plan to create 100 paintings showcasing the 100 years they've lived on Earth. So this sounds like a really heartwarming story. People have said that Jojo Moyes stories are very similar. So if you're a Jojo Moyes fan, you might like this book. And it has a lot of warmth to it. And I love the idea of 
an 83-year-old and a 17-year-old, you know, finding friendship with one another and what they could each bring to these paintings. Mm -hmm. So I'm excited to read this with you guys. I do not know yet if this author will be able to do the interview, but I have reached out and I just want to be transparent about that. We're still waiting to hear. And if it ends up that we are unable to connect with Marianne, or if you know Marianne, please connect with her. <laughs> if we're unable to connect with her, we will offer another book to chat about or to enjoy through an author interview. But I am in pursuit of this author in hopes that we will be able to create a experience with her as well. Okay. Oh, I hope that you're able to connect with her. I'm in, I am interested in a book that is described as funny and uplifting, and it's about two people who are going to die. <laughs> I mean, what could go wrong? I mean, I, I was not expecting that. <laughs> this is a reader's choice. I have already put you through the Book of Harlan, so I will, I will, I will own the ones that I put on your heart. But mm -hmm. this one was definitely one that kept coming up that people really wanted to talk about. So I'm excited about sharing it with you. I have not read it. I have purchased it for my book stack, but I do not have it read. And so I will get to read it with you and enjoy it with you in real time. Well, that is very fun. And it does, it does sound really good. And I'm looking at the cover right now and it's beautiful. Yes. So pretty. Okay. Well, oh my goodness. This has been such, such a fantastic list. What is going to be our final selection for 2022? Yeah. So this selection, it's always hard because December is a difficult month for reading. And yeah. I debated and you guys can give me some feedback if you feel like I should have gone a different route. I had talked about maybe doing one big long read for November and December and splitting it between the two months. So then you would have, you know, two months to do it. But again, we've got Thanksgiving. And so sometimes people are not available to do reading mm -hmm. during that time, too. It's just a really busy season. So I ended up selecting our very first novella. I thought, well, what about a short book? That's something that we could do together. And this one is called A Psalm for the Wild Built by Becky Chambers. And she's a very seasoned science fiction author. And this is a very slim novel. So I think it's 147 pages. Okay. And I listened to it on audiobook. And I think it was only around five hours of audiobook, too. So that's just kind of putting it in perspective. The audiobook narration is very, very good. So if you are looking for an audiobook, this is a, a beautiful one. But I will say I wished that I had it in paper format. I'm glad that I bought it because it's one that I would reread. It's not something that I feel okay. like I would only read once. So if you are looking for a book that you think you might want to revisit, it's very cozy. It's a warm hug of science fiction, which also sounds like maybe not something <laughs> that goes together, but that's really how it's been described as a warm hug, like a warm cup of tea. It's filled with fierce optimism about our world that's on the brink of a disaster but it reminds us that we have purpose in this world. It's first in a series, and it's about a tea monk and a robot. It's this friendship that develops between these two. Everything about this does not sound like something I would like, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so I was kind of like, I, I like science fiction, but I tend to gravitate towards time travel and mm -hmm. very yeah. action-filled science fiction. Mm -hmm. But I have lately been on a robot kick for some reason. I just really, really <laughs> like robots. This was a robot story. It was a novella. And I'm like, this is perfect. It sounds like it's perfect. 
And there's just something really enchanting about this unlikely duo that come together as they try to discover the purpose of people. It's really hope-filled. It's a time when basically robots have just kind of decided that they're not going to do robot stuff anymore. And like, what if robots walked off the job? And I I don't want to say too much about it because it is so slim Mm-hmm. that it, it really requires you to read it. But it's first in the series. I guess the second one comes out this summer. So okay. if you like the story of these two, I guess you get to go on more adventures with them. I found it to be really oddly satisfying and very comforting during the pandemic in particular. The reminder that people have purpose and that there's mm-hmm. love in the world, that there's good in the world, that we can find the good in each other that we all have purpose. It was just something I needed to hear. It's not, definitely not in my normal wheelhouse. And I absolutely (laughs) loved it. And I actually am going to read more from Bucky Chambers now that I've read it. I'm hoping she'll be part of the series, although I have not heard back yet from her. I'm sure she's very busy, but I am hoping that we will be able to build on this experience with her. At the very least, it's a novel that I think everyone will walk away with something good in their hearts. Well, that sounds like the perfect way to wrap up the year to, you know, to be experiencing during the holidays in 2022. I mean, just think three years ago, would you ever have expected to say this warm hug of a book about robots is just enchanting and what I needed to hear? lot of things in this conversation I never expected to say, and I did, you know? I mean, I we are that. embracing some new things. I mean, yes. monster stories are not, they're not something I would have necessarily selected. I think that we're having fresh perspectives on old stories, and I'm just really proud of this year. I really am proud of this gathering of books. I think there's mm-hmm. going to be at least one favorite book in the stack for everyone, and yeah. I think that we're hitting as many notes as we can with a very wide net for lots of different genres so that people will find maybe even a genre that they didn't know that they would love. So that's the hope out of this. Well, I love that. I love this variety and that you have worked so hard to seek out the books that will introduce each of us to something new, something re- something fresh. I know I am not the only one who will say, I can't wait to read along with you in 2022. Yay. Well, thank you, Mary, for hosting today and like making this a conversation instead of me talking into the abyss. I really appreciate (laughs) you being here. And I hope that people will check out your podcast. Where can they find you if they want to connect with you? They can find me at Mary Carver on the socials. MaryCarver.com is my website. And my blog is called The Couch Podcast with Mary Carver. And we talk about pop culture and why it matters. 